name of Jesus. Amen. There, right after his baptism, Jesus goes out into the wilderness. He's led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And to us, it may look like he is all alone. But he's not alone, of course. He never is. Not Jesus. He cannot be alone. To us, he appears to be a man on his own. But the fullness of the Godhead dwells within him. The God who spoke in the beginning, let us make man in our image, is Jesus Christ. He may be alone in the fact that he has no other human beings out there with him. But no, he can never be truly alone. He is the Ancient of Days. And there is more to Jesus than you can see. At the Transfiguration, he speaks to Moses and Elijah like their old friends because they are. Before Abraham was, he is. Jesus is no newcomer even though he seems to be only 30 years of age. So there in the wilderness, after 40 days and nights without food or water, when he is at his weakest, the devil comes to tempt Jesus. And that's what he will do to you as well. The devil never has any new tricks. Never. Because the devil also is not new to the scene, is he? And this is not the first time that they have heard of one another. The devil has prowled about the earth since nearly the beginning, and his plan has always been the same to get you to think that you know better than God does. The trick is to get you to think that you are God and that he is not. To plant seeds of doubt say things that may even seem to be appealing, compassionate. Look, I mean, if you really want it, and if you think it's going to make you feel good, don't you think God is being cruel by denying your comfort and your pleasure? That was the first temptation, and that's really all any of them are. He's not clever. He has nothing new. That's all he's got. He has a real big if to give you, and that is how he tempts you. If, 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 if. If God really loved you, don't, think he, don't you think he'd want you to be able to eat of any tree in the garden? Come on. If God really loved you, don't you think he'd just let you do what you want? Now, if the devil tempted you like we would like expect him to tempt you, by getting you to do things that are outwardly evil, that like look outwardly evil, I mean, it would never work. It just it wouldn't work. It'd be too obvious. Instead, the devil puts things in front of you that might even seem righteous and good. The devil never looks like Goliath. Like, that'd be way too obvious. Uh, he is sneaky. He's not clever, but he's sneaky. A Goliath, you can't miss that guy. There's a whole entire army there. And you're like, Arr. well, there he is. Goliath is just out there openly mocking your God, putting you to shame. 
Well, you can't let that aggression stand, no way. And they shake in their boots at Goliath. The devil, though, well, you may not know that he's been there until after you have given in to him. That is, unless you are Jesus. The devil clearly thinks that now that the Lord God is incarnate, now that he's walking around on earth, now that he has a body, maybe he will finally use some of that power for himself. Well, it's a little strange, isn't it? I mean, um, besides walking on the sea so that he doesn't have to go around the sea, I don't think that the Lord ever uses any of his miracles for himself. It's always for others. He thinks only of others, and he thinks only of you. So what would that mean if he had actually listened to the devil and made the stones into bread? Well, that wouldn't be a savior worth following, would it? And it's interesting that the devil twists the word of God and takes it out of context, sees it as some sort of tool or something like that, something to manipulate people with. But Jesus simply believes the word of God and goes on with his life. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Come on. And when he says that, Jesus is actually saying, hey, uh, devil, don't test me. Don't tempt me. I am the Lord God. Do not test me. So do you notice in these things how Jesus denies the devil? I was like, I get the sense that he's almost just rolling his eyes at the devil. He's not out there shouting at him and doing these mighty things. No, he's just kind of, yeah. Be done. Get away. And it's so undramatic. I mean, the things that the, the devil tempts Jesus with, they're, they're, they're big things. He says, well, yeah, well, I'll take you up on top of this thing and turn the stones to bread, and, or I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Hmm. Big things. Dramatic things. But Jesus simply has three lines for him. There's no extended discourse here. There's no elevated sermon. He gives the devil three lines. What does he give to you, though? Two chapters later, we see the Sermon on the Mount. It takes up pages. It's wonderful. How many words of love does he have for you? That's what he spends his life doing. You see this? Jesus is absolutely not worried at all about the devil and about resisting his temptations. It's wonderful. Oh, but hey, if you just throw yourself down from the, the pinnacle of this, the temple, the angels will come and catch you and the people will then know that you are God and then they'll worship you and then they'll love you. Jesus is not tempted at all by the cheap tricks and gimmicks which the devil offers. He does not need to convince anyone else that he is God worth worshiping and loving. Because he actually is God who is worth worshiping and loving. He's not trying to trick anyone into this. 
It's amazing. David, likewise, did not need to convince anyone to let him onto the battlefield to slay Goliath because he simply knew that he could do it. And David doesn't even need the impressive armor. No. Just a rock and a sling will do. You should be very wary of the church that tries to repackage Jesus into something more palatable to today's modern man or whatever. God does not need us to make a good name for him. His name is good enough. He does not need your help. Speak the truth. Speak his name. And that will do for him. So there are no ifs here. There's no conditional clauses here. What have you heard already? In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. I'm going to say, if you're really, really sorry, if you really, really want to, no, your sins are forgiven. And you, we baptized you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and we didn't say, and if you really mean it, then it'll stick. No. And we will hear, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And there's no single ifs there either. Not in any of it. He speaks reality into being. He speaks faith and forgiveness into you. And he does not deal with ifs. That's the devil's language. Not the language of salvation and certainty, but of temptation. Jesus has given an unconditional promise to you. I think that we are the ones who think that it depends on our uh, keeping the bargain Something like that. That's how everything else works. Not the Lord. He does not need the devil's gift of control of the kingdoms of the earth either, does he? Why not? He already has it all. You can't give him what is already his. It's all his. And you are his. No ifs about it. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.